another episode of like dragon like sun so uh what you been up to this last uh sorry we last spoke jack last we spoke i haven't had my online session that'll be a bi-weekly occurrence um that i had last week another podcast from quarantine we're not actually quarantined well it feels like it we're just staying put. We're staying put? I mean, isn't that what quarantine is in some ways? Kind of. Um, I did go out and meet with a group of people, taking our lives into our own hands. Uh, it may be the last time we meet for some time. But, uh, yeah, it was fun. We took uh, third-level characters into uh, another plane of existence. That's a unusual occurrence. It doesn't happen so often. So far, all still alive. I mean, that's. I mean, you seem to be in a fairly okay. We also didn't roll initiative place. at all. We managed to slip by everything well, and sneak around. So I say we're all still okay, but the minute we have to fight something, we're probably gonna die. Yeah. What plane did you end up in? It's a. It's of a custom plane. It's a. He calls it the Mirror Realm. It's uh, ruled over by the uh, King of Sorrows. He sounds like a fey thing. It is. He's an arch fey type creature. And, uh, and it's all like populated by like sylvan creatures, mostly like satyrs and dryad type things. They're not really dryads, they're all evil and mean. Well, Fae is pretty awful. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, that's, uh, that's an adventure that I'm playing with a barbarian who's actually the party's medic. Yeah. She's a barren human with the healer feet. She's loaded up on healer kits. She uh, she's a dex barbarian and uh, a darbarian, a darbarian, and yeah, she uh, in the, for the fact that we don't actually have any other healers in the party. Well, not quite true. We have a druid, um, but the druid's really one of those druids that are much more interested in being a wolf, uh, right? Most of the time. Well, well, there you go. Yeah. I mean, it's good to, I mean, I don't know how much is like how much more game time you're going to get. Well, actually we'll see how things are in a couple of weeks time. Right. But be chill until then. Beautiful thing about D and D beyond is that you can make hundreds of characters like we've done and play almost none of them. Yeah, that's right. I don't think we're alone in that. To be honest, I think a lot of people make characters and, I, yeah. and we're here today to help you. Good listener come up with some other crazy ideas for how to build characters that aren't like everybody else's. Sure. First, I want to start off with some of our character creation process and how we get into that. Um, there are three ways of assessing your main stats, your strength, dexterity, constitution, or, yeah, sort of that. three ways so, of generating. Or three ways of generating numbers. those numbers. Right. There's the obvious manual, uh, which, which is let's be afraid. Let's be fair. I mean, I know statistically from what came out in D&D Beyond... Uh, last week, that still more than half of all character, or just actually, it's not true, just under half of all character creation now is still being done with manual. Um, assuming that many people are still rolling 46 
Um, dropping the lowest D6. Yeah. And I think any of us who've ever played D&D for any length of time knows that characters created that way are totally overpowered and... Or underpowered. I mean, it's yeah, just, it's a no, lot more... No, no, because nobody, nobody keeps those stats. Sure, everybody fudges right. the dice rolls if they're not done at the table, supervised by the dungeon master. All those characters skew really high many people do have integrity but my friends often and this is not necessarily a fault of theirs like to have high stats and who doesn't like to have high stats you know but it can make other players feel less powerful especially at the table if they get lower roles and generally manual can get crazy to me compared well, it, to other stats it just ends up looking like every character like the characters all become superheroes like right they can do everything Sure. I mean, um, some people might want that in the game, but nobody wants that. I am. Um, I like. I like flaw. I think here we discuss the flaw and embracing flaw. True, and I think this is where Five E again has done something that is uh, is really good. I think for making a fair table where uh, there's a standard array of of uh, ability sure. scores yeah. and. You can put them wherever you want, and your racial abilities may or may not boost those. Mm -hmm. And that's it. You're done. 15, 14, 12, 11, 10, 8. And that's enough to have a pretty good character, or a character who's pretty good at something, um, and probably okay at something else. And that's great. That's all you need. Yeah. Stop trying to be everything. Sure. I mean... That standard array has been a very useful tool for DMs, and I feel like if you want to just get people into it really simply, just use standard array or manual. Um, Well, I think it's either standard array or point by. Right. And point by, in my mind, is is a legitimate option. I feel like it's my favorite option. Whenever I'm making a character, I prefer to use point by. Right. But, but, if I don't want to see characters come out of point by with three max out stats and three toilet stats like you shouldn't be that split up there should still be i mean definitely i mean balance is always a thing but it's your character i mean some people might want to have six strength and eight wisdom and crazy high dexterity and constitution you can get six strength i mean if you're a kobold kobold get minus two yeah wow that would be funny they're quite weak uh yeah it's possible and look it's okay to have a stat that's low but having a lot of low stats can be bad sure so i think i think that uh point by works really well when we're talking about the some of the very offbeat against trope characters that we like to talk about here where you're taking a character whose racial trait might be in something like wisdom, but you're making an intelligence-based character of some sort. Uh, in that case, you need the option to dump lots of extra stuff into an ability score to sort of help make up for it being uh, a non-traditional one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think with point by compared to the standard array i i mean it is in some ways less balanced but there are ways to get multiple plus two plus three stats where with standard array you kind of lock yourself in to having one or two fairly good things and everything else mediocre or poor 
And it is much more balanced, but I find point by a lot less restricting on where I can put my stats, especially, and it doesn't feel as broken as manual to me. Um, I still don't fully understand the the mathematics behind it. I mean, I'm sure if I just spent some time looking at it, but there's 27 points to spend, and some things are worth more, some things right? are worth more points, like right? Getting to a 15 jump up. and something costs a lot more than right. 10 does. Exactly, or 13 and something, right? It's like four more points. So there, you could have a, a character with four plus twos or two plus threes and nothing else, right? It's just, it still encourages you to get balance because then you'll see a bunch of minus minuses. And you'll be and like, it makes, oh, it makes yeah. the ASIs when you get to level four, level eight, wherever your character gets them at, it makes them more important because mm-hmm. you then really have a decision do I want a feat that does something kind of interesting that gives my character a bit more depth? Or do I really, really need to put those two points into one of my ability scores? That's not so good. Yeah. Um, whereas if you are manually rolling and, wow, I magically managed to roll three 18s. Mm-hmm. Look at me. Uh, I don't ever need to worry about what I do with my ASIs. Because I'm already super powered. Yeah, I see that quite a bit. Yeah. So if you're at home right now thinking that you're going to roll uh, some D6s and come to the table with a bunch of 18s, you're doing everybody a disfavor. Man. Well, I, I don't want to say that necessarily. You are, you're doing it wrong. No. Okay. Well, you can talk with your DM or roll with your DM in the ta- like on the table. And sometimes when people make characters at the table, oh, our familiars arrived. Um we, I like to have them roll manual because it, it is a way to get people rolling dice before the game starts and get everyone like excited for it, you know. And D&D Beyond has done a good job of giving you alternatives, and I love Point By if I'm not like actively making a character at the table. Um, it's it's my favorite out of all three methods that they offer. Hmm. Um, I think even the way that they've moved hit points for people taking average hit points... Mm. also has kind of made the game a bit more fair. True, um, yeah. Although that said, uh, in the game I was just talking about earlier with the Barbarian, uh, we've been given the option, if we want, to roll hit points. And I like living dangerously. We could, so yeah. far have gotten uh, above average amounts of hit points that way. I'm trying to think statistically how likely you are to get above the average because the average is already generous no because it's already generous right it's one point generous sure it's rounded up rather than rounded down which is a rare thing for D&D to do are you more likely to get a higher number if you're a barbarian than if you're a wizard well a d12's got a bigger swing on it for sure right but there's also more numbers which could be lower you know I mean I don't know I think it could be I think taking chances could be fun. I've never had to roll dice. I think everyone just takes their hit points for for granted and just goes, well, whatever, right? Um, I guess partly because there's two barbarians at the table, I like that Mm. both he and I are rolling them so that there's uh, more differences than there are similarities between our two characters. Right. Yeah. I mean, they get the D12 hit die, the the big one, the biggest of them all. Um, which is a, a big advantage for them in some ways, you know. But there, surprisingly, there are more classes than I thought that have D10s. For a while, I thought the ranger only had a D8, but 
They have a D10. You just made a ranger. I just made a ranger. I did make a ranger that acts like a paladin. All right. Now, I know all of you out there in Radio Land listening to us right now are thinking, why on earth would you make a ranger? Rangers are the worst class ever. Or if you're not knowledgeable on rangers. You may have heard somebody on Reddit say rangers suck. Right. Um, And in some ways they are lacking. Yes. Some places people dislike them. I am not the biggest fan of them. I have not made a lot of rangers in my day. There's a couple things about their level one starter stuff that irks me, but... In the fact that they don't really scale as well as other classes. Well, honestly, if you're building one, you have got to really talk to your DM about, hey, where are we going? Yeah. What kind of terrain are we in? I want to fit into this place. I want it to... Uh, my character sure. be kind of awesome. So, yeah. Where are we going? Uh, so when you built yours, where was he going? He was the paladin ranger, you know, yes. taking one class and making it another. And I took the ranger class and made it a so paladin. You built a paladin. That's right. A heavy armored tank. A heavy armored tank using the ranger. Using a ranger class. Cool. Very odd. Very so, human. So you would act to play this. him like a holy knight. Sure. He's the holy knight. I actually have a quite a, like a whole speech for him written up here. Sir Roswold, Reverend Day Whisper, Knight of the Order of the Righteous Brand Nobleman Army, Commander of the Dawnbreaker Troop 4, Celebrated Rambler of the Hollow Wastes, Ordained Leader of the High Church of Palor, Father of Light, Alumni of the University of St. Trinity, Winner of the 17th Annual Swords Coast Dog Breeder Invitational. And that gives you pretty much everything you need to know about him, really, it, sort of at first glance, roleplay-wise, you know. He loves his dogs. Back at home on the material plane. He's not, he's not dragging them around with him? No, no. I mean... But he could. He could, but some of them are quite the quite the, the hunks. You know, he does... So, so, so you didn't go, didn't go Beastmaster nope, with it? Nope, didn't go Beastmaster with it. Um, I went Monster Slayer with it. And right. he is a holy knight, much like a paladin can be. And he doesn't necessarily have an oath. If he would be an oath, it would be an oath to the crown, to the royal crown, right? Um... He was a studied lad, you know, and sort of rose in the ranks, very sort of lawful, um, plays it by the books, you know, and he sort of was sent down to the abyss or the nine hells, whatever you may have. It could be the Underdark, right? But one of the lower sort of planes to to fight, you know, and to hold the line or to prevent the blood war. I mean, of course, that's a foolish act but that's a talk for another day but he was sent to 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 get in there and destroy fiends you know his whole deal is destroying the demons and the fiends and holding them back from the material plane and so he's been he's been to the abyss so your your favorite enemies are fiends and undead because yeah. that's very paladin yeah, you know it's a very paladin um and so that's his sort of whole deal you know and the whole favored enemy thing lets you sort of really I mean in some ways it's not that useful but it really lets you sort of hone in on well this is back your to the deal, point you know? it's only useful if you if, talk to your DM about it and if it's in your campaign if hey okay so this guy would be fantastic if we were saying okay we're playing Descent to Avernus sure you're going to hell baby yeah um, and yeah see if you can stop you know, Baldur's Gate from ending up there as well. And, uh, yeah, I, I guess the only problem is you can't choose lower planes 
that is favorite terrain. Right. I mean, that would be even more niche. That'd and like, awesome. that would be like a higher level thing to unlock, like a yeah. 11th level. Really? Well, yeah. It's not like you're going to go to another plane of existence at third level. Really? <laughs> I know. I'm joking. Um, but again, it's not made out that you went there, but like something in your background or training or something. I don't know. Right. I mean, there's always you learned like, about how to deal with it. There's a Baldur's Gate backgrounds, which involve having your background be set in another plane of existence in the Baldur's Gate universe, right? So yeah, I'm just thinking like, yeah, that would be cool. So that while you're doing the whole descent to Avernus thing, that you had you know abilities to track and move within sure. that terrain that were better than everybody else's for his favorite terrain i took swamp and underdark one because the underdark could be a passageway to the the abyss or to the nine hells or whatever or and it can resemble the nine hells a bit sometimes you know and you could talk to your dm about making that the nine hells or a part of them or whatever that you're sort of looking for in your experience right and i suppose ranger does require some communication with your dm and that's what i'd encourage players if they are playing a ranger to talk to me ahead of time about like how they're going to build this thing you know and um, and if they build a desert ranger in a foresty or arctic campaign i'm going to be like you know what you're going to be pretty useless here so i'm giving you the suggestion now to maybe rethink it you know because i wouldn't want a player to feel like they're just doing nothing you know and the choices they've made haven't given them anything right and i feel actually monster slayer is quite quite a good subclass in some ways um the only thing I wish they'd done, they get an ability called Slayer's Prey, where they can, as a bonus action, designate a creature within 60 feet of them, and then on the first turn, or the first time each turn that you hit them with a weapon attack, deal an extra d6. Would I tweak that to make the favorite enemy more useful, or if you wanted to play into that, is that if your prey is the favorite enemy type, it changes to a d8. You know, just a simple thing to make it so you're better at hunting your favorite enemies. Yeah, that'd be nice. Right? Gives you a slight edge. Plus, it sort of acts like roleplay-wise. You're good at hunting all creatures, but you're especially good at slaying fiends and undead, you know? And this is just a small tweak I would make to it. Yeah, I think those are the sort of things that... The reason why people are frustrated by Ranger is that you sort of... You feel like there should be more with Favorite yeah, Enemy. If you're yeah? asked to pick up one of these things, then... And especially because it's a repeating ability. It's not a one-off thing. Something. You have more. You know, but the only thing you have to do is recall information about them and track them. Yeah. You know, it feels like nothing. Although there's one in there... Okay, so walk us through some of the abilities that right. your Paladin has. And how would they compare to a regular Paladin? Right. Well, a Paladin usually gets the Divine Sense feature, where they can detect undead fiends and the such within within 30 feet of them, right? right? And his equivalent to that is Primeval Awareness, which all rangers get, call, uh, which as an action, you can expend a ranger spell slot, one minute per level of the spell slot. So depending on the level of spell slot, you get it for more minutes to sense whether any aberrations, celestials, dragons, elementals, fey, fiends, or undead are present within one mile of you or six miles of you if you're in your favorite terrain, which is hopefully if you talk to your DM about it, the lower planes. The lower planes, right? And of course, you'd be surrounded by them all the time, but... Sure, right. But you need to know where they are, though, right? Uh, it doesn't actually reveal their location uh, or number, but it could be maybe if you're on the in the Underdark or between planes or... I mean, maybe it wouldn't... But, you know, it's just giving you a like, heads up. Things are, are close. There's an incursion somewhere, right? Um, and that's sort of the replacement. It's a much larger version of the 
yeah awareness and it does cost a spell slot but you can see up to six miles sure you know which is a much stronger version six miles is pretty big right outside of the lower planes yeah then one mile you would see a lot of stuff around you potentially definitely you know if you were surrounded by nothing but demons everywhere and devils everywhere then right okay we're here we've arrived um another thing he gets is hunter's sense which i actually quite like and this is an ability I've been thinking about a long time, and I didn't actually know that this subclass gained it. As an action, choose one creature you can see within 60 feet of you. You immediately learn whether the creature has any damage immunities, resistances, or vulnerabilities, and what they are if the creature is not hidden from divination magic. You can use it a number of times equal to your wisdom modifier. So they're a wisdom caster instead of charisma caster, um, which paladins usually are, which makes them in some ways more clericky, you know, because clerics use wisdom. And rangers use wisdom right so paladin's actually a bit of a sort of an odd one out there but you could be like haha like a sort of a resolve or physique sort of like charisma right um it's i put it all into uh wisdom he's got 10 charisma it's okay but he doesn't need it right it's all put into wisdom which i feel like he's more like sharp and alert you know and maybe he's a bit curt so sorry go through his stat blocks for us uh his strength is at 18 plus 4 dexterity is at 10 plus 0 constitution is at plus 2 with 14 intelligence is negative 1 with 8 wisdom is plus 3 with 16 and charisma is 0 at 10 um, so he's got a fairly balanced stat block because the only negative is his intelligence, right? And he is level seven, I should mention. So he has picked up an ASI sure. and has a feat from his variant human, which allows him to wear heavy armor. And this is the weird part of the build now where you take a feat, which would turn a class, especially like the ranger, you'd imagine some long bow and maybe like a leather or studded leather, studded leather sort of hiding in the midst of the woods and now he has disadvantage on stealth checks and 22 ac yeah and he's so he's all like you know big clinkety clankety clinkety clankety no range attacks he's just got his moon touched shield long sword yeah moon touched long sword uh the moon touched gives him you know because he is a human he doesn't have dark vision he does have the dark vision spell to give himself from the ranger spell list and we'll touch on that in a minute but he also has it glow so things aren't awful you know he's not blind fighting all the time which is a nice sort of addition for him i also gave him a plus one shield as his uncommon magic item which we like to do we like to give uncommon magic items especially if they're at seventh eighth level already um to our characters yeah it's if you yeah if you played in a campaign for any length of time chances are you would have had by the time you get to seventh or eighth level an uncommon magic item Mm. pretty much guaranteed right i mean again talk to your dm about it but yeah i would allow it as a dm that's how i sort of rule no, it. i i prefer characters built like in many of the places campaigns i like to play in like we're playing still pretty low level you know starting at level five or level six sort of thing um and you know ones where we've been working our way up you know it's great but um campaigns they're hard to keep together sometimes right you get a group of people you play for a few months maybe plan every week maybe you guys do level up but it's modern day it's really hard to keep a group together long enough to see your characters reach levels eight nine ten mm-hmm. and it's actually kind of in that eight nine ten zone where they start to come together they start to get the interesting feats and interesting uh, features and abilities 
that make them stand out, that let you sort of say, hey, look, I built this rather unique character. Or this rather powerful character. And they're quite interesting. Or where their backstory starts to come around or things like that. Exactly. So it's like, I think, again, if I could make recommendations out there to DMs and players, if you're not new to this, don't, don't force yourself to go through all that level one to well it can be helpful you know if sure. you're especially if you're running a low stakes adventure look it's or running a module because many of them force you to be quite sure. low level but there's plenty of modules that are like you know it's out of the box stuff right now you can just say oh yeah here's a section that's built for 11 to 16 sure and then if and you've go got ex- some experience or know how to play it. start it That's you know because it does usually have hooks from before so you're sure. gonna have to introduce that somehow you know but I feel like if you want to just, you don't have to necessarily follow the entire story. If you want to take out even small encounters from the uh, from any like book or module and just put it into yours or story elements, you know, even if you don't want to follow the exact module, even taking pieces out of modules to create a new adventure is completely acceptable. Steal the maps, baby. Sure, absolutely. Steal the and maps. That's a great thing. Actually, what I love about the hunter sensibility, which allows him to see resistances, vulnerabilities, and immunities, is that many fiends and undead do have these. You know, because some monstrosities or beasts may, you know, just or humanoids don't have any of these, right? Yeah, I, I suppose there's something that this paladin can do that most paladins wish right. they could do. You know, and being able to look at that fiend is like, all right, it's immune to lightning, poison, fire, What's cold. What's vulnerability? Let's attack that. Sure. I mean, usually fiends don't have any vulnerability. I kind of like this idea that you've got this paladin who's sort of like a extra specialist paladin. Sure. Yeah. Regular paladin. He's in the field. In there, and they've been getting beaten up by these guys, and they're like, okay, we're sending in. And he's like, he's a very, yeah, he's a very uh, unorthodox paladin in some ways. Yeah very odd ranger like he's but, good at hunting them down you know yeah. compared yeah. to some paladins skill set. and he then let's move on to his spell list which in some ways still does feel very paladin he's got cure wounds in place of his yeah, lay on hands ability lay on hands anymore, so. um so he still has his cure wounds from the ranger spell list he you took detect more spell slots now as well it's true i believe so i'm yeah. not actually sure of that but all right so you got four first level and three second level i'm not sure how that compares to the paladin but he doesn't he doesn't have his divine smite obviously right. to dump more damage into it but slayer's prey allows him to just get free d6s sure. without expending a spell slot and instead he expends it on his divine sense or being able to sense fiends within a location near him right then he as a spell he took detect poison disease because many fiends can cause poison or disease yeah it'd be nice if he i mean i suppose he at some point needs to get lesser restoration because that's the thing that paladins can do sure just cure disease that's a good point i think he maybe should get like he will get another spell at eighth level usually they get more spells known as they level up so i'll take lesser restoration um which is a second level spell he from his monster slayer magic they give you extra spells protection from evil and good very paladin-y you know against very effective actually very effective first level spell against um aberrations celestials elementals fey fiends and undead the two the two latter ones being the most important um you know it's just the ultimate sort of defense against them so you can't really charmed or frightened by them or possessed right and they have disadvantage on attack rolls sure yeah and it's it's you and a very helpful yeah. Spell against preventing. I mean, it's honestly one of the greater spells. Well, if you've got against, an armor class of 22 and they have a disadvantage to hit you. Right. 
yeah, you're you're going to avoid a lot of attacks, those sorts of things. Yeah, look, and the other thing that they're going to do is, yeah, they're going to throw some sort of charm spells and things. Conditions, you know, which really yeah, pump up the CR, to, right? Yeah, things that try to take over your mind and things. And if you've got advantage on getting past that, yeah. Them, then you're doing well. Exactly. Then finally, his very odd spell on the list that only rangers can get, Zephyr Strike. Which makes for actually a pretty good paladin buff. It's a little bit of a divine strike in some ways, but with more movement. Oh yeah, it's more movement oriented, and it doesn't do as much damage as a divine smite would. It only deals an extra 1d8 force damage on a hit, much like a thunder smite or searing smite would. But unlike the other spells, it's a concentration, which the other ones are, but while concentrating on it, you don't provoke opportunity attacks. So essentially it's a free... Yeah, it allows disengage. You be, it allows you to be a skirmisher. It adds an extra what thirty feet of movement. Well, once you hit a creature with uh, while the spell is active, you can deal an additional one d eight force damage and immediately gain thirty feet to your walking speed. Right. So he, you hit somebody or miss, hit or miss, you gain the speed, and then you hit your fiend, and you and then you dash back. back. You know, and they have to spend feet. their whole turn unless they they're big, the whole turn, f- like, fast things. You, and then you get another attack at them. Absolutely. But Zephyr Strike doesn't allow you any extra bonuses on that next attack, but it does continue to give you the ability to disengage for free. Exactly. And I think it's a very sort of good mobility, combat, and sort of damaging spell all in one. And it feels like that weird borderline between a ranger and a paladin dealing extra damage. Yeah, which I quite like. definitely make you the weirdest looking paladin out there, because most paladins, once they get up close and start tanking, they they barely move. Mm. Yeah, I think it's just being able to just even step back like 30 feet like you end your turn right next to them and then bonus action start well, this does, up it does allow you to lure and move the baddies around a little bit mm. if you can keep backing up and they have to keep moving towards you it can allow you then to set up the other members of your party so that they can get into a position where they can either assist you or escape or, or if you're low on hit points you could throw this up and you're no longer getting opportunity attack so you can make your final slash sure and then get out of there yeah if you need to if you need to make a strategic get me the heck out of here move and you still want to land a hit you sure. know and deal some good damage plus if you got your slayers prey on them uh, and your long sword in both hands you could be dealing 1d10 1d8 and 1d6 on an attack which is I mean, at seventh level, it's not the greatest, but it's nothing to scoff at. No, it's, it seems like enough. A lot of dice. Sure. I mean, different dice. That's crazy. We're only a D eight, D ten, and a D six. He has two attacks, just like the paladin does. Um, so that's the same on those ends. Most of the martial classes get an extra one at level five, uh, and then his second level spells. He took dark vision, obviously, because he's a human. Doesn't have any. And when you're in the lower planes, you're, everything is dark. Yeah, dark. When you're human. The dark vision is a nice thing to have for sure. Mm. He has healing spirit, a much better sort of yeah, getting a, everyone healed back up. Spell. And finally, from his monster slayer magic, zone of truth. Yeah, well, if you can get those devils to tell you the truth, that's a or tell you their true names. Ooh, ouch! I mean, they could just say nothing, but yeah, you can keep guessing. Like, is it? Yeah, Bob? But you could get you could get it fail? you could get another one of them to like cough up the names of somebody else or something. Sure, yeah. What's this guy's true name? Yeah. 
It's they, not like they're in allegiance. Well, no, they hate each other. They're yeah. always like trying to turn against each other. They're all bitter and jaded. And yeah. yeah, if they could do something to undercut somebody else and get themselves some sort of power in that process, they'd do it in a heartbeat. Definitely. It's yeah. like, it is the most, like, the Nine Hells is like the most toxic. Or the Abyss. Right? The Abyss is more toxic than. Maybe. Than I, I just imagine it yeah, being a lot more rough. And, it's like being yeah. in an angry biker bar the entire time. Yeah, it's not not fun. And that's why Sir Reverend Roswell Day Whisper is here to stop that that bar fight in the, in the lower planes. I, I actually quite enjoyed making him. And it's always weird to me because I don't often make heavy full plate characters, you know, who struggle to move around or things like that. And the ranger you typically think are very mobile, right? Well, it is. I mean, like spells like Zephyr Strike, sure, yeah, tend to continue to. You know, put that stereotype forward, but yeah, he's got actually fairly good strength. You know, rather so than going he's a strength it, ranger, does that make him a stranger? Yes, right. He's a stranger. That's fun. That's fun. Yeah, strength is always a, a good one with the, the class names like a starbarian sure. or a star well, I mean, or a... barbarians are typically strength based anyway, so it's not a huge surprise right. that you're making one that way. Where the darbarian yeah. idea, where you make a dexterity based one, is weird because. It, it, it doesn't work as well. There's so many things, features your class gets. There's so many things that your barbarian doesn't get until uh, higher levels that are all like strength related that you would never get to use if you make a barbarian. So is there is that same problem sort of in there for making the stranger? Well, with a stranger, you're usually going to go, or with a ranger, you're usually going to go with a ranged weapon, right? It's kind of in the name, you get the idea, the Lego lasts, the bow you know where this character has no need for a bow you know and for a long time people thought especially with the fighter taking a bow that oh i'm gonna need strength right aren't all fighter weapons strength and range weapons require dexterity and especially again with the gunslinger which my friends seem to endlessly love um playing thank you critical role thank you critical role thank you matthew mercer um it's also dexterity surprisingly as all range weapons are um i mean some may have a strength requirement or that might be a homebrew rule you might have but their dexterity and having no need for ranged weapons makes it so you can just focus on strength they get strength saving throws anyways rangers so he's got a plus seven strength saving throw modifier which is nothing to scoff at what's this other thing that he gets to save on dexterity oh wow so usually he wouldn't be very good. He's got zero, a, a zero bonus to dexterity, but still a plus three saving throw. Paladin would normally get constitution. I believe they get constitution. Maybe they get wisdom. Hmm. I think they get wisdom actually. You know, just to sort of resist the effects of extra planar creatures. Can you pull it up to some sure. and check that for a second? Mm, pulling up wisdom and charisma, they get proficiencies. They don't get proficiency in strength, dexterity, or constitution. Wisdom and charisma. Mm. Yeah. Now, are those things that help you resist save spell effects? Things from mm-hmm. yeah, it, devils and demons. It helps against it the plane shift spell and the banishment spell. Those are all usually charisma. Your like your will to remain in this world, right? And wisdom is often against being charmed, paralyzed, possessed. Many of the sort of mental things, um, besides feeble mind and a couple other unique cases, all require wisdom. 
Um, and so it, it sort of just helps you against those spell saves against creatures that might be hurling those against you. Surprising that it doesn't give you strength or constitution, you know, but then there's a feat right there if you're thinking so of are it. You, would you be happier with some charisma saves or strength decks? Which, I mean, strength decks are, I mean, that's physical, very, yeah. very fightery things. Like you're not going to get knocked down as easily, uh, much likely easier to dodge out of a way of a fireball or a breath weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, it may be an eighth level ASI then, you know, to when he reaches eighth level like, take to take resilient in wisdom or in charisma. Would you do that as the build? What would your idea be if you could pick? Well, I mean, if, it, if, it, if you want those saves, you know, if you feel like you're in danger or at risk, because right now his wisdom save is just sitting at plus three and his charisma save is sitting at plus zero. So he's quite vulnerable to being banished away. You know, he doesn't really have anything to counter that. Um, I mean, hopefully he's got a friend on the party with Counterspell. How, how are you thinking he would go for like the next level up? Like, what would round out your barbarian stranger, your strength ranger who wants to be a paladin? There's a couple ways to go with it. I think you could either take a feat, you know, a resilient thing resilient. to give him, or a tough feat to give him some extra hit points or some extra magic. His hit points are no different than a paladin, so it's fine. It's true. He has the same amount of hit points that a paladin would. I mean, slightly lower constitution, maybe, but um, it's fairly good still. Uh, anything else? I could bump up his constitution, bump up his wisdom if I want better spell saves, or bump up his or like, cap off his strength to get that to its maximum. But he's always already got a fairly good strength, so. I mean, it's a question of balancing. Do I want to put the intelligence up to 10 so that's not a weakness? Or is there like a savage attacker, you know, where he can, because he, he only has melee weapons, right? So he could maybe get a, like use either dice roll on a melee attack, especially with the Slayer dice, that could be a lot more damage. When I suppose it comes down to what do you, why do people like playing paladins, right? Right. Is it is it the divine smite? Is it that ability to stand there and be able to throw in a monster big hit on people? Well, I think there's a multitude of reasons, and that could be a part of it. But I think roleplay wise, they're very roleplay centric, much more than some other classes because they have a whole section and in each subclass written to their tenets of the subclass, which mean really nothing, and you could ignore them, right? But there are tenets to how you go about your oath you know the, there's like conquest the oath of conquest has their own special tenets that you follow right or other oaths have their own specific things that you sure. need to follow your oath in the you, oath is a big part of it you could write that for sure and I could write that for Reverend Was, Roswell without you know needing that as a thing you know and if I just wanted to make an oath and he's pretty much an oath of the crown so I could just copy paste that if I needed to you know but yeah uh, I think the I think uh, yeah looking at, at your build on this uh, it might just be yeah I don't know maybe savage attacker is a good idea maybe might be a fun way to get your dice your damage rolls mm-hmm. up a bit higher or um, I mean resilience is a weird one to take it feels like you're putting a lot out there just to get that proficiency bonus. Just to get plus three to save. But it would put again, his wisdom saves up to plus six. It would put his charisma up to plus three if he took it, you know. Yeah, I mean having plus your, six on wisdom saves. Your wisdom you know? save plus six, you're less much less likely to get yeah. charmed. Yeah. It's true. I mean that's a fifteen percent bump right there at this level anyways. And that proficiency bonus actually is gonna go to plus four pretty soon. 
Yeah, so it'd be a plus seven in wisdom saves, which will really help. Yeah. You know, especially, I mean, most DCs at that point would be 17. Right. And I have a feeling there's a lot of devils out there that would be trying to charm you. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's their whole deal, isn't it? Conditions is what bumps up the challenge rating. And most of them, the most common saves are dexterity and and wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's a really cool build. I think... Uh, I think it's a fun idea when we, and we've done this with a few other characters as well, but just, yeah, recommend everybody out there, just go out and try to build one class, but use a different class to build it. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's a fun sort of thinking experiment, you know, a thought experiment on how you can take certain abilities and learn to role play them in different ways, you know, and taking things not by their stereotype, but finding a new way to play it, like making a medic out of a barbarian. barbarian or making a artificer out of a wizard or making in this case a making a holy paladin a holy fighter out of a ranger, ranger yeah and there's nothing in the rules that says that rangers couldn't go this way sure just, absolutely you know, most of us just have these stereotypes cooked into our head about what each of these classes is supposed to be and there are limitations within the rules and many fun aspects know, about the way the, they are given the rules, to play, the rules you know? definitely lend to perpetuating the stereotypes but and there's nothing wrong with playing into stereotype necessarily yeah. but if you're looking for that's something that's how you play the you're playing it wrong no 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 that's not true at all you can play in D&D however you want but I love and I, I love taking a certain weird class you know trying to make a bard into a a druid or trying to make a uh, a sorcerer into a sort of like maybe like the the granddaughter of some like great wizard who now sort of like disowns her you know because she didn't work for her magic the same way he did you know and sort of like he's stopped spell casting altogether and now like the royal like king is like well what have you done you know you stopped our archmage from casting you know because he doesn't want any of his other descendants to be cursed with this sort of ineptitude yeah, it's it's I, I this is my favorite thing to do really. Um, so we'll keep coming back to these in future pub podcasts. We've got a ton more of these to look at still. Plenty of characters, hundreds of characters, <laughs> hundreds of episodes break, to go. Break the stereotypes. Uh, anything else we want to talk about this episode? Um, we're looking to get some more mics. So if the audio quality isn't top notch if you've been listening to us for this long already thank you the three of you out there if this if this is not your first episode with us thank you if uh if it is welcome welcome and i can we're sorry only promise you that our quality of things will get better um but yeah this is uh this is the sort of stuff that we love talking about though this is the stuff that uh i think for us has pushed the game forward and evolved it in our own minds uh, by taking, you know, characters to sort of another level. We've got much more to talk about, and thank you for listening today. Uh, yeah, tune in next week. When we talk about some other odd character we've made. When we travel to yet another plane of existence. <laughs> right. I've been Jack Outway. I am still Jay Outway. Um, and stay safe out there. Stay well, everybody. Stay well, everybody. Bye.